Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Have you been feeling the pinch on your utility bills this year or maybe at the grocery store? You're not alone. Canada has been hit with rising inflation, which has meant people are paying more for gas, food, and just about everything else. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Edmonton Journal columnist Keith Gerine, who's been exploring the impact of inflation on people's day-to-day lives, joins me to discuss where people are really feeling a cash crunch and what's driving some of these higher costs. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, or tell your friends about us. So Keith, the Edmonton Journal's Groundwork Project, which is kind of like a community engagement journalism endeavor, it's looked at a handful of items from its start, including the pandemic and its effects on schooling and seniors. Why did you choose to look at affordability this time out? It was just something that kept coming up in conversations, in emails I would get, in phone calls I would get. And when you're doing a project in engagement journalism, you really want to hear people's personal stories. You want to pick an issue that affects them on a personal level or a household level. And I think it was maybe around you know, late February, early March, we were just starting to hear more and more people talking about really high utility bills. I think that's sort of where it started. Mm-hmm. People with bills maybe coming in double what they had normally paid. We heard from people that had bills that were over $1,000 and were really worried about how they were going to pay them. And then other issues just started coming in as well. A guy on my hockey team, for example, was talking about his irritation with having to pay $6 for Egos. And you know <laughs> that was just how, how it affected him, right? That was his, he's a truck driver and, you know, his morning routine is to grab a couple of Egos and he was just ticked off that, they were costing $6 at, at that moment. So we just started to hear about it more and more. And it was seemed to be affecting all parts of the economy, all kinds of costs. And it was really something that people were talking about. So we thought, yeah, let's dive into this. And being an engagement journalism project, we're hearing some of these things going on in the community. And then we decide to look into it more. And it's turning around and asking the public to fill in some of the blanks. So when it comes to issues of inflation and affordability, what are you turning around and asking of the public in terms of contributing to this project? Yeah, basically we just want to hear their stories, how this is all affecting them. And it it does seem to be affecting people in different ways. And so, yeah, we get some emails, we get some calls, but the main mechanism we've set up is a, a little survey. And it basically just asks two questions. One is, 
what are your biggest cost pressures? What are the things that you are feeling the most in, in terms of your weekly household budget? And then tell us how that's actually affecting you. What are the, the difficult choices that you're having to make? What's the you know, changes to your lifestyle that you might be needing to make? And do you see any solutions to this? You know, how could you change your household practices, but what maybe could the government do as well to make life easier? Those were the main things that we're asking. Mm-hmm. And looking at it in some broad strokes, what are some of the areas that people are feeling the pinch or, or have concerns about it? Is it mostly around things like food and utilities or are there concerns about wages not keeping pace with inflation or other aspects of the economy? Well, it's really all of that. And so the survey results are quite interesting. And I mean, th- these are not scientific results by any stretch, mm-hmm. but when we ask people what their biggest cost pressures are, utilities are the number one thing that people have cited, about 85%. Food was very close behind at around 75, 76%. Fuel and transportation, you know, the price of gas obviously has hurt people. And then insurance costs, surprisingly, came in next. People are seeing an increase in their car insurance and home insurance. And then, of course, you know, people complain about taxes. That hasn't changed right now. People have talked about their cell phone bills. People have talked about their housing costs, even though Edmonton, Calgary, Alberta in general tends to be maybe a little more affordable than some other places in the country right now. That is still an issue for people. And then, of course, yeah, in the background of all of this is that as these costs are rising, for most people, their income is not going up. And so there's a deficit there, obviously. So all of those things are a big factor for people. Looking at the people who respond to the call out for more information or, or personal stories, do we get a sense of who's feeling the pinch more than others? Like, did you hear from seniors on fixed incomes? Did you hear from single parent families, single income families? Did you get a sense of who this is affecting more? Yeah, and it, it is definitely those groups that you mentioned. So yeah, we heard from a lot of seniors on fixed incomes and their real concern that they don't know how they're going to cope with a big monthly increase in their utility bill or the groceries that they're used to getting, you know, those are going up maybe 10 or 15%, or at least that's how they see it. We did hear from some single parent families as well. We started off the project talking to a young mother, single mother of two living in a trailer park in Edmonton's West End. And, you know, her story was quite compelling that she's essentially drawing down her savings to pay for food for her kids. She can't put them in any kind of recreational program. So it's, you know, relying on the free programs at the library where she can, but she doesn't like to drive her car. And she spent nothing on herself, right? Hasn't had new clothes for a year or two. Even having cream in her coffee, which is apparently for her is a you know a big deal, but that is the sacrifice that she's having to make at this point. So it is really difficult on people who were already kind of on the margins. They're the ones seeing the pinch the most, but everybody's feeling it to a certain degree and and it has changed their lifestyle. Looking at some of these issues individually, food obviously being one of the big ones, as you said, what are people saying when it comes to food costs? You talk just about a single mother not buying cream for her coffee. What are some other pinch points for people when it comes to going to the grocery store? Honestly, the one that kind of got me the most was people saying that they are just having difficulty eating healthy right now. And, you know, we've put so much pressure on people to change their diets and, you know, buy more fruit and vegetables. And some of those things are the ones that are the most expensive right now fresh meat, dairy, eggs. 
these are the things that have really gone up of late. And so people are saying that they can't do that. They have to go to unhealthy alternatives or less healthy alternatives. And so that has obviously bad effects down the road. So that was something that was a little disturbing to me. And honestly, it's sort of everything. It is, you know, going out to restaurants, for example, those prices have gone up. People can't afford to do that. So that affects the local economy. And so folks have had to look for other alternatives where they can. But when it comes to those staples, fresh fruit, produce, dairy, there's not really a way around it. One of the questions that comes to my mind when we're talking about this is, well, What's going on here? Like, why are we seeing those increases? And there's a lot of factors at play when it comes to food prices. There's the growing seasons, there's transportation, the supply chain in general. What factors are driving up these food costs? And did the pandemic play any role in this in terms of, you know, people getting sick with COVID, not being able to work in some of these agricultural operations, and so yields aren't as high, and so the prices go up? Like, are there any factors like that playing in? Absolutely. There is a real combination of factors. And maybe that's the most interesting thing I've learned, or the the biggest takeaway that I've learned so far, at least around food costs, is that there are a number of complicated interrelated factors. And it's not entirely clear that anyone has a good handle on everything going on there. But yeah, COVID for sure, labor shortages in the agricultural sector and in the food processing sector, but also in transportation. You look at sort of the shutdown in China right now and you know the disruption to boat traffic, that that is happening right now. So that's a big factor. The war in Ukraine is a factor right now. Grain prices have gone sky high in part because of drought in Western Canada and and North America and other parts of the world. The war in Ukraine has also affected that. And when you have really high grain prices, grain is, you know, a staple in all kinds of food, you know, from cereal to bread to all kinds of processed foods. So that's a big factor. The price of oil right now and gasoline, so shipping everything takes on an extra cost and cold chain products, the power and the energy required to keep things cold, that's a problem. And just general inflation, because everything costs more, people's wages might go up a little bit more. So that adds to the cost to fill those labor shortages, to get people to work in processing plants. There is an extra cost to that. And that comes through at the checkout when you're in in the aisles. So all of those things factor into it. And there may even be other factors that we don't have a good handle on it great example is the question of whether there are some unreasonable profits being made by corporations, by retailers, by food processors. This is a difficult question to get at because some of those profits are difficult to get at. But we do know retailers, for example, and in Canada, most of the grocery industry is controlled by you know, a small number of companies, they are making very, very strong profits. The question is, are those unreasonable at this time? And that is a question that a lot of economists are wrestling with right now. We'll be right back. One of the things you mentioned was beef. We're here in Alberta and there's a great deal of love for beef in the beef industry in the province, what are the factors that are affecting beef prices? Because I know it has kind of its own set of determining factors. 
Some of the factors are the same for any food. So I mentioned the grain prices, and obviously uh, we have grain-fed cattle in Alberta, so high grain prices means that those cattle are more expensive to feed. Gas prices as well, if you have to transport cattle, which you do, because if you're selling it from a cow-calf operation to a backgrounder or a feedlot, you have to transport those cattle, so there's extra costs there. But you know, a lot of the pressure right now, or a lot of the attention, I should say, is on the packing plants. And this is where a lot of the beef producers, the people who actually raise the cattle, are saying that we need to look a little more closely. Because in Canada, again, about 80% of the beef processed in this country goes through two, just two packing plants, one in High River and one in Brooks. And those companies, although we don't know specifically how the Canadian operations are doing, but those international companies are posting incredibly high profits right now. And so the accusation has been that those companies are charging really high prices to consumers, but they're not paying higher prices for the cattle to the the producers on the other end. And so right now, that's how they're making their profits. And there's some feeling that that needs to change. The packers are not saying a whole lot at this point. And part of the problem is that we do not have good price transparency in Canada. It's a voluntary system. So we don't actually know what prices are being paid for cattle. In the United States, there is more mandatory price disclosure. So some extra transparency in Canada might help that, perhaps requiring more cattle to be bought at auction. But that's a dynamic in the beef industry, that relationship between the producers and the packers, that seems to be a real pressure point right now. What are people suggesting to help curb these rising food costs? Do they have solutions? Is it ramping up domestic food production? Is it government intervention? What do readers have to say and and what do experts have to say? Yeah, there's a lot of ideas out there. And so some of them are on the consumer level and some of them are fairly obvious, you know, buying in bulk to get some discounts, searching for coupons, going to discount grocers. I even got an email from a home economics teacher here in Edmonton about some of the ways that families can kind of reduce food waste in their own homes, some really practical tips. So there's some things that consumers can do to help themselves. But then people had a lot of bigger ideas, things that government might need to do. And they really range. So regulating food prices is one idea that came up that we kind of have a little bit of that in Canada already, in the sense of our supply management system for dairy and poultry and eggs, where essentially the government sets a quota on how much can be produced, and then the farmers get kind of artificially high prices, those stable prices in theory. And so there's some thought that maybe we could extend supply management to other foods in Canada. A lot of the economists don't like that idea, though, because potentially you force some companies to set prices that are unsustainable. And so they shut down their operations or cut their operations or don't have as much quality or or variety. So it may not be great for consumers in that way. But that was certainly one idea. Another idea is to encourage more competition, you know, try to get more retailers in the game and spread out some of the power there. And theoretically, more competition means lower prices. People did talk about ramping up domestic food production. And the economists, interestingly, were kind of divided on that. I talked to one who said, yeah, this is absolutely a good idea, not only to try and lower prices, but to provide better food security for Canada and maybe even to help our exports. And you could potentially do that with more commercial greenhouses or expanding farmland. But other economists said, no, this is not a good idea. Like the global food chains actually have worked for the most part. And, you know, Mexico is just 
better at growing fruit and avocados and certain other kinds of things. They can do it cheaper. They can do it in a more environmentally friendly way. Mm -hmm. We have options. We can go to California. We can go to Florida. If Mexico doesn't work out. And so it just doesn't make sense for Canada to kind of try to produce some of that because it's going to be very, very costly if you have to do it in a greenhouse. So yeah, lots of interesting ideas there. The one that I think the economists probably agreed on the most was, you know, rather than trying to intervene in the market, let's just try to design a program to help those who are really struggling with this, some sort of income support, some kind of tax credit, maybe direct assistance to people below a certain income threshold who are really struggling to pay their bills and and to afford food. And you know, it's a temporary program, it's a targeted program, and you don't mess with the market. That seemed to be their best solution to this. Off the top, we talked about utility bills. And I mean, even with rising food prices, how prepared are people for unexpected jumps like this in their monthly household costs? Is this something that really puts a strain on people's bank accounts and their ability to have discretionary income or even necessary income? Yeah, my sense of it is people are not really prepared. And there's a statistic out there, and I can't quite remember the number, but it was something like a a shocking number of Canadians, maybe close to 50%, were two or $300 away from having nothing in their bank accounts. And so you can imagine that when your utility bill comes in, that's double what you expected, or in some cases, even triple what you expected, there's going to be folks who are in trouble for that, and they have to make some serious adjustments. And people have talked about drawing down their savings. People have talked about delaying retirement. People have talked about, you know, having to take the insurance off their car and not drive for a while. Some really kind of painful stories like that. Somebody talked about taking money out of their kid's education fund because they had no other choice. That that was the only sort of liquid income that they had. Absolutely, people have talked about less discretionary income, so they can't afford to go to a hockey game or go out with friends or to a restaurant, can't afford a concert ticket. And that affects the local economy. And charitable giving, that's the other thing. People have said, look, you know, I I love to donate to the local hospital, to the Heart and Stroke Foundation to cancer. And they've had to suspend those kinds of donations right now as well, just to make sure that their household stays afloat. What has surprised you the most so far about this project and the responses you've been getting? I mean, you talked about some pretty severe examples, right? Like pulling out of your kid's education fund, your, you know, parents obviously hoping to, to sock that away. So cost of college or university is less of a burden down the line, but anything else that kind of stuck out for you? Honestly, it's just those sort of those tough choices that people have had to make and how hard it's hit them. We haven't seen inflation like this in a long time. And I I think for some people, younger people who are maybe, you know, 35 and younger, they may not have seen this in their lifetime at all. And perhaps we're lulled into a, a sense of security that these kind of rapidly escalating prices for almost everything, that this is a situation that we just would never see. It hasn't been part of our imagination. And we just don't know how to deal with it. So yeah, people were caught unprepared and people were not seeing how to deal with this. There was no sort of easy advice when those utility bills started coming in initially. And so that shock has worn off a bit now, but people are still unhappy, obviously, with the situation and some of the plans that they may have had for vacations, for saving, for 
buying a new car or a new appliance or something, all of those have been put off. And so they've had to readjust. So it really, really has affected people. I was surprised at the number of people who were immediately interested in this topic when we raised it. What other areas are you going to be looking at through this project? Yeah, so we've looked at food pretty much so far, delved into utilities a little bit as well. I think the next topic we're going to try to explore is insurance, because this is an area that doesn't get a lot of coverage. The provincial NDP has been bringing it up a fair bit in the legislature, but it's sort of an industry that has maybe not the best reputation in Canada, and certainly there's been rising costs in recent years because of natural disasters and so on. But Again, people are saying that there's a real pinch for them, you know, to be able to drive their car, or to be able to afford their house. So that's an industry we're going to look into a little bit more. And then I think we're going to explore some of these effects that we talked about, you know, the effect on charitable giving, the effect on people's discretionary income and what might that mean for the local economy. People drawing down their savings, if they have to work longer than they planned, you know, what does that mean for their health and their lifestyle and the economy? There's a variety of things that I think are worth kind of poking into there. We may also explore a bit more with some of the other costs that people have mentioned. Cell phone bills has come up a surprising number of times. So lots to explore here, lots of angles, both in terms of the actual costs and what's behind them, but also in terms of the impact on people. Excellent. Well, it is definitely important reporting, something that affects all of our lives. Keith, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Keith Jarine. More from him and the entire Groundwork series at edmontonjournal.com slash groundwork. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.